Welcome to the CJW Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we learned about cheer. Nick Verberg of the Manitoba Cheer Federation is in studio to talk about their upcoming provincial championships. And yeah, folks, they are very athletic. Also, Matt Cockle of the Winnipeg Ice talks about the upgrades coming to Wayne Fleming Arena. And the Boy Down CEO, Darren Dunn, tees up the start of live racing season. And if you stay tuned to the end, you'll be rewarded with one of the sillier things we've ever done on the sports show. That's on the podcast. Joined in studio by Nick Verberg of the Manitoba Cheer Federation. Nick, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, man. How are you? Doing well. Uh, it's a big weekend coming up for the Manitoba cheer community, isn't it? It is. Yeah, we're um, we're wrapping up the season with provincial competition. Uh, it's at the convention center this time for the first time, which is good. Uh, before we've been hosting out in Portage La Prairie. So hopefully some people that are maybe curious about it can come check it out. It's our biggest competition. Every team that we have in the province is going to be there, so it should be good. How many people is that? Uh, 650 athletes, I think. Wow. Um, I th- well, I mean, that's how many we have registered between school teams and uh, all-star teams. And I think we have everyone registered, so around that. So what's the difference between a, a school team and an all-star team? Um, they, they run on different uh, score sheets, uh, partially because... In like all-star teams, which is the larger competitive, you can pull from anywhere. Uh, you're obviously a little bit more restricted in your your pool that you're pulling from when you're doing school teams. And the other thing that's a requirement in school competition is you actually do a cheer, uh, like what you're picturing, where you make a like a catchy little phrase out of whatever your school and mm-hmm. your mascot is or whatever. Right. And in all-star, uh, it's there's no cheer and it's just based on the tumbling and the building skills and the. And the tosses. I think it's fair to say that the majority of people that are experienced with cheer, as dumb as this may say, is the Bring It On franchise. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's a super common thing. Whenever I tell someone that doesn't know anything about it that I'm going to Worlds or they see uh, videos of me on Instagram or whatever, like, oh, it's like Bring It On in real life. Um, And to that you say... (laughs) You know, it's not the, like, least accurate thing in the world. Like, those... Those movies actually do a half-decent job of showing what the competitions are like. I mean, if you're really into the sport, you'll understand that a lot of the things that the show don't make perfect sense, but, you know, they capture the, the general most, idea. Most bo- sports movies aren't completely perfect. Yeah, exactly. So, how long have you been involved in cheer? Uh, I started when I was 20, so six. this is my sixth season now. Um, I've been a part of the national program for four years, and I've been with the Blue Bombers cheer team for five years. And I've coached in school for five years, and I've been involved in All-Star since I started. For what kind years. of athletic background did you bring into cheer? Uh, before I was cheerleading, I was training to be a mixed martial artist, which is not the most common uh, transition. <laughs> <laughs> but when I was growing up, I played uh, hockey and lacrosse like a normal Manitoba kid. Yeah. And um, in between that, I was just a teenager and doing whatever I wanted. But then when I got back into sports, yeah, I was MMA, and then uh, now cheerleading. So why the switch? Um... Cheerleading happened kind of at a at a weird time when I was training MMA. Uh, the our our master was telling us if we really wanted to take it seriously, we needed to find a different gym, and that was right when I went to an open gym. Uh, gymnastics facilities all over the city. They'll allow you for like a drop in fee. You can kind of just go and mess around, do whatever you want. And I went there, and a guy a couple weeks in offered it to me, and I went and liked that way more. So it worked. Out. Did you have any kind of gymnastics <laughs> background? No, I had a trampoline when I was a kid. And that was it. So did you find something new about yourself then when you <laughs> went into the gymnastics gym? Uh, yeah, I mean, like I went for the same reason that most 20-year-old dudes go to open gym is because they wanted to learn how to do a backflip or okay. whatever. So, I mean, that was the main outlet. Um, 
as someone that's in his 20s when he started, the tumbling didn't come super easy. Right. Uh, you pretty much get that when you're young or you don't get it uh, <laughs> very well. Uh, but the stuntings, the stunting came pretty easy to me. I, I've always liked exercising a lot and weightlifting and whatever. So the, the stunting aspect was, wasn't too hard to pick up as an adult. So what are some of the skills that you need to succeed as a cheerleader, whether you're a man or a woman? You know what? The, the thing that's great about cheer is is like on an international scale – the sport's really dedicated to inclusivity and accessibility. Um, you have, like, we have levels one through seven, and you can do any of those levels at any age in, at any time that you want. So, like, I compete at, obviously, the highest level that's available, and I, you know, I've pursued elite athletics for my adult life, but you can, at any at any age, at any level, join and find a team in a level that's, that's suitable. Um, I mean... From just being like general recreational physical activity to very elite athletics, um, obviously gymnastics background is very helpful. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, yeah, it works for anybody. I mean, I've been on teams that have had you know um, snowboarders that tried it late, or uh, football players, or obviously gymnasts, that type of thing works what, for anybody. What is the ratio, uh, male to female? Um, or is it very wildly across regions? It depends on it depends on what division you're in. I mean, like Team Canada. Uh, you take 15 guys and nine girls, um, but the majority of teams are all girl. So that's um, some divisions are 24 to as big as 38 people on the floor at once. I think I'm probably going to mess this up, but I think at Worlds it's about uh, 10 or 15 to one uh, girls to guys. Right. Yeah. So why is the difference then well, heavy woman to man ratio? But then for can what do you say nationals? It's more men than women. I mean that's so in a coed in a coed division you just uh, the only girls that you take are the f- girls that fly, uh, and then in all girl divisions you have girls that fly and girls that base as well. Okay. Um, in college in college cheer, uh, most of those teams are uh, coed. So I think you actually in college cheer you in North America you'd probably have more guys than girls, but. Uh, globally because especially in younger ages it's more common for girls to get into that just like gymnastics is right and is there do you find that there's maybe a bit of a hesitancy a stigma for guys to try it <laughs> yeah until they come the first time yeah. i mean i i think i think the biggest thing that that cheerleading's missing to take it like it, it is growing extremely fast especially in canada um I think the biggest thing that's holding it back is what people think it is. Right. They, they think, you know, ignorance. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. High kicks and pom poms and whatever. And it's <laughs> yeah. I, at this point I have held a pom pom, but I've definitely never used one and I don't do any high kicks ever. It's, it's like strictly an extremely athletic sport. Um, and it, the thing that's holding people back is, you know, what they think that it is right. without actually knowing. But people that have been to a Bombers game have seen the cheer squad. Exactly. And have seen the kind of feats that you guys can do. Are, are you holding back at all uh, at Bombers games? Or is that the full... <laughs> I wouldn't know. I mean, like, holding back isn't fair because we're on concrete. Oh, <laughs> that's fair. Okay. It's not like... It's it's just being a responsible coach, not making people do anything uh, too extreme when you're on concrete. Um, that's... I mean, like, that's a... I would say like that most of what we do is what you would call like level three or level four and the national level is level seven. So you got to like, you get a, you get a rough idea, but as right. far as like the actual tech technique involved in some of the more elite skills, that's uh, definitely not something you'd put on concrete. Okay. Fair enough. Where, <laughs> how does Canada rank, I guess, in the rest of the world? Uh, you know what? This year uh, was a super successful year for us. We came in second. Um, and last year was actually the first that we even got on the podium. 
um, for, I guess this is our sixth or seventh year in this division. And up until last year, the goal was always just get on the podium, get on the podium, try. And uh, this year, last year we did it, um, just squeaked into third. And then this year we got second and were like extremely competitive with nice. America that came in first. Uh, I think the best thing that we got out of this year was kind of everyone in the country, especially the people that are like really dedicated to the national program being like, oh no, we definitely can be the best in the world. So that's, uh, most people are very excited for next year for that exact, so, exact change mentality. That's awesome. If people want to come check out Provincials this weekend. It is at the convention center. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly which room it is. Uh, it starts, uh, actually my team's the first team to go. We're at 9.06 in the morning and we're there, I think all the very way until, specific. <laughs> all the way until 6 PM or some dollars to get in. And uh, yeah, you should definitely come check it out. Well, I appreciate you coming down to the studio tonight, Nick. Awesome. Thanks so much. Today, the Winnipeg Ice announced more than a million dollars worth of arena upgrades for Wayne Fleming Arena, where the team will be playing for two years as the permanent home is built in Oak Bluff. Joining me to talk about that is general manager of the ice, Matt Cockle. And Matt, we knew renovations were coming, but uh, just sharing the exact deals details today, yeah? Yeah, we've been working really hard, of course, uh, to confirm our, our plans and uh, as a process that involved uh, some great partnerships with uh, both architecture, engineering uh, resources, as well as uh, the University of Manitoba, which has been uh, phenomenal for us to to work with, as well as Airmark from a food services perspective. So a lot of hard work, and it was exciting to uh, be able to share ahead of uh, going on sale and, uh, officially and, and allowing uh, those that have been waiting to select their seats just what options are going to be available for them, uh, both for our season seat holders uh, and corporate partners. So you're adding a couple hundred seats. Hard to really add a lot in the confined space in the arena, right? Yeah, and I think the approach we took to this was how can we add experience and what would that look like? And, and we feel good about where we got to um, with, with that mission and um, you know, in, in two years, we're going to be playing in a state-of-the-art event center that's going to have um, tons of different options. Uh, if, you're, if you're going there to, to, you know, for a party type of atmosphere or if you're um, a family and looking uh, to watch the game and have some daycare options, there's going to be this full spectrum for, for everybody. Um, and in the short term, we tried to find little pieces uh, or segments of that to, to start to introduce that type of experience to fans. And we feel... Uh, with the premium balcony, uh, low seating, um, and the party lounges, we were able to incorporate uh, in addition to some more traditional seating and, and more more standing uh, areas and social areas um, that that we've been able to do that. Because I know, uh, being in Wayne Fleming Arena, the the you know the one side where the media and the benches are, there's no seats over there, and at the one end there's kind of a concourse that you can walk around. There's some space there to stand up in, so are you? kind of utilizing that space that right now isn't really used for much? Yeah, so the the media communications area is going to be completely uh, redone and built out, and part of that is uh, premium balcony seating, which will sit uh, just above ice level. It'll be uh, the best sight lines in our entire league, um, and there'll be uh, a, a full row of, of that seating on the wall that you're referencing uh, connected to both of those platforms, and it's going to be a great way to view a game, and then below that uh, will be some great party social areas for, for people to enjoy. And uh, we want people to have fun. We want them to have a great time uh, at the game, and they're going to get a full uh, Western Hockey League game day production uh, in a real intimate uh, venue, which should be a lot of fun. So you're going to make changes to concessions too? 
concessions will be transformed into all um, one digital menu board, which will be a, a really nice upgrade. Uh, we have the full um, ability to use the entire space um, outside of the Wayne Fleming Arena, which we're which we're calling the Ice Cave. Um, so there'll be pop-up retail, there'll be concessions. We have kind of a VIT buffet uh, type of menu for those that want to take part in that uh, on the floor up uh, that's connected to the volleyball, basketball uh, area. And then there's uh, a social area that's being created uh, for pre-post-game fun. And uh, it, it's going to be an electric environment and we've utilized every inch that we can to, to create that and uh, some great partnerships to help us do it. Obviously, you're restricted by the space that's already there, and it is right. You're only there for two years, so you're not going to completely overhaul the place. But you're spending over a million bucks. This is not a cheap endeavor. No, it's a it's a transformation, and and you know it's something that I think the university uh, are there's a great connection between the Western Hockey League and U Sports, and um, you know it's something that. Uh, we feel it'll be a great leave behind uh, for the university and, and really help kind of move the experience for U-sports athletes uh, along, which, which we're connected to indirectly uh, with the WHL scholarship program. And this is a thing I haven't mentioned yet, but maybe this is the biggest addition that you're doing, and that is a video scoreboard. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, in, in a venue of that size to have uh, – you know, kind of a full interactive uh, video scoreboard is going to be a lot of fun in addition to the lighting components that we add. Um, the game day production is going to be a full um, experience and it should be uh, that much more entertaining when, when you have a uh, full, full building every night uh, with really excited uh, and eager fans to partake in an entertaining night. And, uh, you know, our hockey team players are really going to enjoy the experience and, they're going to get to know our players really well because uh, where they're watching from is going to be as close as you can get to the, to the action. And beyond the fan experience, there also upgrades the arena just from a player's perspective as well. Yeah, there, there's some components that people won't see in terms of uh, visitor dressing room, new flooring, um, those sorts of uh, those sorts of amenities that, from a player experience and visiting team perspective, are important. Um, and uh, those, those are things, of course, that will be done uh, in addition to the, the visible changes in, in the Arena Bowl. So new Arena Glass will be installed. I'm curious, Just I've called some Bisons games there before, and I know that the, the glass by the benches is super low by the wall, and a lot of pucks go out of play. Is that kind of uniqueness to Wayne Fleming going to stay, or are you going to raise the glass there? Yeah, I think the, the uniqueness, uh, the, the way the seating will be configured poses uh, some real safety issues. So yes. um, it, uh, it it will be modified to Western Hockey League standards, which is uh, eight foot uh, glass on the ends and six on the sides and fill in behind the benches. And um, some of the uniqueness, as you referenced, uh, will, will be replaced by uh, a new glass system. Fair enough, fair enough. So how much of this is done already? Well, we're just uh, today's announcement was really the kickoff. Um, so we have a, a window uh, within the field of play, so the ice surface uh, that we've been provided by the University of Manitoba, and that's kind of mid to end of May through to the end of June, and that's where the scoreboard, the glass, anything to do uh, with with impeding the ice surface or interacting with it will be done. And then we have until uh, till early September to complete uh, the rest of the renovation, and and we're excited to get started. And how about the uh, the permanent home? How is how are things coming on that? We're we're on schedule. It's uh, really exciting to be a part of uh, building something like that from the ground up, and 
um, you know, that of course will be something that that we'll be excited to share um, down the road here. So, looking at the the timeline beyond the facilities, the t- from a team perspective, when do players get together to start skating together? So we'll have our training camp. will start the last week of August, um, and uh, prior to that, we actually have a development camp for all of our drafted players and prospects, uh, May 31st, June 1st and 2nd. And everything that, that we're going to do on a day-to-day basis will be out of the, the rink training centre, uh, which is the home, the practice home of the ice and training home of the ice. Um, and, and it's an unbelievable facility uh, that we're very fortunate to, to be in on a daily basis. Um, the Wayne Fleming or the Ice Cave will be a place that uh, we'll play our games, and it'll be a great experience for for our fans and players on game days. But other than that, we'll be at the the rink training center. And from a ticket perspective, uh, the seat selection starts tomorrow, right? That's correct. Okay, and are all the season ticket spots sold out? Yeah. So the the best way I can kind of describe the where we are as it relates to season seats is um, we, we were holding deposits uh, based on the previous capacity of 1400 and and based on that we uh, have been able to accommodate all of those on the on the wait list um, and which is great so they'll begin the process of seat selection uh, tomorrow on May 17th uh, we have the ability to, with the increased capacity to uh, go to market with an additional 200 seats and that'll be uh, available at winnipegice.ca. Uh, once those 200 seats are are sold, um, there there will be no more seats available. Okay. Uh, one more thing before I let you go. What kind of feedback have you received since the draft? It's 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 been interesting. You know, we went into the the process of the draft, and um, we were really excited about uh, two players, and we weren't sure we were going to be able to. Um, to find a way to, to get to, to get both players. Obviously, we were picking at one and nine, and, and we thought that uh, both players would be gone uh, very early uh, in the draft. And um, so, feel very lucky that we were able to to um, have some some conversations to allow us to have the opportunity to pick one and two, which is really unique. And um, and then Jake did a great uh, great job, of course, uh, with his team, Jake Heisinger. Uh, throughout the rest of the drafts, so we feel really good about uh, the level of talent that we were able to to add. Our philosophy: uh, it, we we have the amazing training center. We have a great place to develop. We we really uh, believe in our program, and and we we chose to take a philosophy of we're going to take the best player available and trust in our process and our development plan, um, and we're going to attract those players uh, because of that. And I imagine you have no update on Matthews of always future plans. Um, I do not have an update at this time, but but a uh, really exciting day for the Savoy family. Uh, Carter Savoy um, was named the CGHL uh, Rookie of the Year. So I, I, that's of all junior A players across uh, the entire country. So really amazing honor for him. And, and the runner-up for that award was Owen Murray, who's also a nice prospect uh, currently playing for the Portage Terriers. So um, so so great day for for Carter and uh, and his family. Well, Matt, I appreciate you taking time to talk to me today. Congratulations again on all the renovations and the steps you're taking here, and uh, we'll talk down the line. This weekend, live racing returns to Assiniboia Downs, and today they had their kickoff event complete with share cover band and lunch buffet, and yes, I had seconds. Also chatted with CEO Darren Dunn about the season and 
What happened at the Kentucky Derby this past weekend? Well, this is the pinnacle. This is what it's all about. Uh, we're open year-round, but for live racing, that's our mandate. And uh, the horses have been training since early March. It is time to go. Uh, horses from all over North America here to uh, put their best hoof forward, if you will. Got an incredible jockey colony of over 20, and they come from around the world and make Winnipeg and Manitoba their home for about five months. And I can tell you that it will be very competitive out there, and uh, it's time to let the best horse win. What year is this for the Downs? This is season 62 here at Assiniboy Downs. We opened in 1958, and, uh, and we're ready to let her rip out of the gate Sunday afternoon. How many races do you have over the course of the summer? We'll have 350 live thoroughbred races from start to finish, uh, kicking off Mother's Day afternoon and then wrapping up Sunday uh, in September the 8th. So for those who don't know, that have never been here before, if they want to come place a bet, how does it all work? The best bet is to literally come in and see one of our fan education specialists. It's absolutely free. They'll break things down, make it very, very easy to follow racing, understand how to read a program, and place a wager if that's what you want to do. You can certainly also, you know, pick a name, pick a horse, pick a color, and have a little bit of fun there. Uh, all kinds of food and activities we have throughout the year. So uh, every reason to come out here with free admission and free uh, uh, parking every day. Any specific horses that are looking to make a big impact this summer? Well, we lost our champion horse uh, to the world in Escape Clause, uh, this incredible Manitoba-bred mare who is uh, on a world stage now and uh, will likely see race again actually on Belmont Stakes Day. They're pointing to running her uh, on June the 8th in the same race card that the Belmont Stakes, part of the U.S. Triple Crown goes. Uh, so that's really the horse on the tip of everyone's tongue out here locally is Escape Clause. And uh, as for what we're going to replace her with this year, well, we're going to see who emerges uh, to be the next star. How many of the horses that race here are from Manitoba and how many are kind of brought in from all over? Sure, about 40 to 50% of the horses are locally based out of here in Manitoba and they'll stay throughout the winters and the other, call it 50% uh, are coming from the western Canadian provinces and down uh, through the United States. They'll come from Florida, Texas, Oregon, Arizona, Nebraska, all over and we love it. They spend, that uh, they spend their money here in Manitoba and that's good for the economy and they bring some competitive horses and that's good for racing. What's the race that's kind of like the crown jewel of Boy Downs? Our biggest race of the year, our Super Bowl, our Stanley Cup final is always the Manitoba Derby. It's always Monday of the August long weekend and uh, we present the Queen's Cup, a trophy that was actually brought to us by the Queen of England herself when she was here in 1970 and we present that actually for the 50th time this year. So it's the Manitoba Derby for top three-year-olds uh, across generally Western Canada. They come out here, run a mile and an eighth, and, uh, and we raise a glass to the winner. This might be a stupid question, but can you name a horse something that, that's already been named? Or once a horse's name is used, it's done? There's actually some very specific criteria. First of all, you can only use 18 characters, no more than that. And a horse has to have no longer been racing for at least 20 years. In saying that, it can't be a stallion, it can't be a champion. Uh, there's a lot of very intricate little uh, secrets to what you can and can't do. The Jock Club out of New York accepts the names. You usually send in about five, and you hope one of them is picked. If not, they'll send them back and say, send us some more. So no one can be secretariat again. Secretariat is reserved for a lifetime, and justifiably so. It's kind of like retiring numbers then in sports. Very much so. Triple Crown winners, horses who win uh, the Kentucky Derby, the Belmont Stakes, uh, the Preakness, uh, you'll never see their names used again. Those ones belong to the history books. Okay. Just, I'm going to ask you about the Kentucky Derby. I know it's been a few days, but it, it, was it controversial? Very controversial Kentucky Derby, the most controversial I can remember certainly and to that point uh, in 145 years they're going to have a hard time topping it. And again, first time ever a winner was disqualified. 
The ownership group is not taking it well at all, and they're certainly taking it to the courts, and they have every right to it. It's a business decision, but it not only affects the purse, the money they would have won, in other words, which cost them $1.8 million being disqualified from first and placed 17th, but it also affects breeding rights down the road. You win a triple crown race, and you write your ticket for some serious uh, additional digits uh, for where this horse could go and, and uh, what he can do for you for, uh, from a production of revenue standpoint. Well, was it the right call? 50% of the people believe it was the right call, 50% don't. I'm in the 50% that believes it was the right call. I'm surprised it's split so evenly in all honesty, but there's rules of racing, uh, that rules for racing that belong. They're in place. You can't interfere or take away the path of another horse. That clearly happened, in my opinion. I've watched over a million horse races without exaggeration, and uh, unless they're going to change the rules, that was the absolute right call. One of the common analyses I've heard was, if this had happened in any kind of minor race, they would have made the decision right away, but they were taking their time because it is such a, maybe the biggest stage. That's exactly right. It literally is the most important horse race in the world, plain and simple. And uh, 22 minutes to make a decision on one hand is in, you know, inexcusable uh, for something that should take not more than two minutes. But you got to recognize the humanity involved. It's never been done before. I think the stewards or the referees, if you will, they're called stewards in our sport, felt the weight of the world on them. And, uh, and they wanted to get it right. Uh, one could say, how many times do you have to review a replay? The Lord knows if this was the NHL and it was a hockey game and it was a disputed goal. 22 minutes, they'd burn the arena down. Uh, but they, they took their time. They wanted to get it right. Uh, I can't blame them for that. I think they were nervous, but I agree with the call. And now, not only is maximum security not running in the Preakness, but Country House, the 65-1 to long shot, also pulling out. So does that kind of lessen the appeal of that race? I think it does to a degree. I mean, right away there's a little bit of shine taken off when there's no triple crown uh, opportunity. Uh, in other words, when the Kentucky Derby horse is going to continue on. Strategically, it's very difficult to get a racehorse at that caliber, that world-class level, uh, to come back in two weeks and race again. But they've been doing it for you know well over 100 years, and uh, the opportunity was there. I hope that we're going to at least see maximum security back in the Belmont Stakes. I'm not sure if they've officially ruled that out, uh, but we're, you know remains to be seen. So is the rationale then for Country House being like, we can't top this, we're going to just quit while we're on top? No, I think it's going to be a strategic rest. I mean, I would expect that horse to come back into Belmont Stakes. The horse can run all day long, is bred to run what is the furthest distance out of the three Triple Crown races, which is the Belmont Stakes at a mile and a half. And uh, I think you're going to see that horse uh, on June the 8th. So a proper rest for that kind of world-class caliber horse is, is in line. I would expect that was a hard-run race in the Kentucky Derby. Um, the horses like to run. They're fit athletes, but it's not the worst decision, I could say, to, uh, to take a little breather. All right, Darren, well, I appreciate your time. Thank you, Christian. All right, so before we leave the show today, uh, yesterday was my birthday, as you heard on the air, and I don't know who got me balloons, but there were just two balloons on my chair at my cubicle, one saying happy birthday and the other saying congrats, and then a post-it note on being born. You can hear the crinkling. They have helium in them, and I figured, well, you can't just throw them out. So I figured, let's have some fun with helium. Uh, Producer Sky is here. We are going to use the helium to reenact some famous movie scenes. Because why not? This has nothing to do with sports. We're just having fun. One of these has a lot more in it than the other. You require more air than I do. I say I'm full of air? Hot air. <laughs> You're full of hot air. Okay. So you get the larger one. Okay, so... Did you already poke a hole? No, I did not. This is going to be very delicate. How do we... No, don't poke a hole. Okay. Shouldn't we, like, just kind of snip some of the... Like, this part here? Yes, that's an excellent idea. Okay. Um, oh, you have scissors. I have scissors, yes. 
Okay. <laughs> Consider yourself in contempt. Did you order the code red? You don't have to answer that question. <laughs> I'll answer the question. <laughs> you want answers? You think I'm... <laughs> You're reading the wrong one. <laughs> I'll answer the question. You want answers? <laughs> I think I'm entitled to... You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Sheriff, this is no time to panic. This is the perfect time to panic. <laughs> I can't. I've lost Andy's gone. They're going to move to their new house in two days, and it's all your fault. My fault if you hadn't pushed me out the window in the first place. Oh, yeah? Well, if, <laughs> if you hadn't shown up with your stupid little cardboard spaceship and taken them away, everything that was important to me. Don't talk to me about importance because of you. The future of this entire universe is in jeopardy. What? What? What are you talking about? Right now, poise at the edge of the galaxy. I'm running out of air. <laughs> Emperor Zerg has been secretly building a weapon with a destructive capacity to annihilate an entire planet. I alone have information that reveals this weapon's only weakness, and you, my friend, are responsible for delaying my rendezvous with Star Command. We're on a toy! <laughs> You aren't the real Buzz Lightyear! You're... You're an action figure! You are a sad, strange little man, and you have my pity. Tune in to the CGOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 with me, Christian O'Mell. Or you can download the podcast on iTunes. It's actually on iTunes now! Wow! If you got an Android, then I think you're out of luck, but... Apple products, you're good! So listen to the podcast. Please? Subscribe? You can rate it? What's the worst that could happen? <laughs>